Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial. Your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Monday, April the 15th. I'm your host, DA, and there's one story consuming all of the American sports landscape. Tiger, Tiger, and Tiger. Tiger Woods wins the Masters for the first time since 2005. He wins a major for the first time in 11 years, and he does so in grand fashion, emotional fashion, comeback fashion, at Augusta yesterday. And so just how emotional was a win like that? Let's begin with Jamie and Stoney on 97 won the ticket in Detroit. They did a very good job on CBS of then putting in the, the clip of him hugging his dad back in 97. You know what else they did a great job after he, you know, returned to glory, whatever he said, they just let the natural sound carry. Oh, yeah. for, it was terrific. Yeah. And he, uh, he, you know, Jim Nance just said right there, look, if you're if you're a parent and that doesn't bring a tear to your eye, you're not human. So I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not human. Me neither. Because I'm a parent and that didn't bring a tear to my eye. It was, cool. it was emotional. It was great. Yeah, it was very emotional. And I think if Tiger had, because Tiger didn't really break down at any point. There were a no. couple times where it looked like, you know, it might get a little bit uh, misty for him there, but it never really did. It was more the celebration. And I'm sure in his case, maybe almost a relief to be back on top of the golf world. Um, but he, uh, you know, I, I, he, I never saw him actually break down, you know, and Nance was almost calling for it because when he won the British open that one year following the death of his father, he immediately just melted into the arms of Steve, uh, Stevie, uh, Johnson, Stevie, Johnson, Steve Williams. Stevie Williams. I couldn't remember the name of his I, I, I thought like when he was like screaming, I almost wish that, you know, he was doing some, he probably tried to keep inside some F-bombs. It was like, <laughs> F yeah, F yeah, you know? I mean, you, you just saw all of his emotion. That's where his emotion came out mm-hmm. uh, when he screamed. And, of course, with, with with the kids, like you say. By the way, I, a lot of people didn't realize, you know, Tiger's hairline has obviously changed over the years oh, yes. a lot. Yes, but the yes. other thing that I didn't realize either as much, man, he can chomp some gum. Yes. All weekend, man. Gum was, was a big thing. He was just chewed away. Yeah. Gum was a big thing for him. So was Phil. Phil Mickelson was a gum chewer I noticed too. That as well. I never know. Never seen either of those guys do that before. Well, maybe there's maybe there's a uh, sponsorship deal somewhere there for a uh, double mint. Oh, for their next for their next uh, fraud fraud match. He uh, Tiger Tiger was asked about it at one point over the weekend because I read an article yesterday and said he uses it for weight loss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. It, it works. It doesn't work for me. It takes like you gives your mouth something to do, and it gives you a, a little bit of a taste. You know, uh, it does. It, it does. It, when work. I chew gum and I'm hungry, it makes me hungrier. No, like, it's got the Pete Carroll. Yeah. And the, Sometimes if I'm starving and I just chew a piece of gum, that that my hunger will subside for a minute until I get home. Oh yeah, yeah. Really? well I it mean, gives you like that little blast of sugar. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I guess maybe I chew it for too long then, because then if you chew it for anything longer than a couple minutes, and the taste goes away, and then your jaw hurts. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. chewing it like John Dorsey. 
Not John Dorsey or not like Pete Carroll either, who's aggressively <laughs> chews gum. No, I'll, right. I'll chew gum sometimes and for like an hour, hour, two hours. And I realize I'm chewing. It's got no taste left. What am I? I'm just chewing the chew. Uh, so did you cry? 248-539-9797. This is the crying open hotline. Did you tear up at all? Or even, even like a little, you know, well up just a tiny bit when Tiger either won, hugged his kids, or uh, was talking to Jim Nance afterwards in historic Butler cabin. Uh, before receiving the green jacket from last year's champion Patrick Reed, I love that whole ceremony. By the way, that you, whole that whole I'm thing. Gonna tell you, is so, I couldn't wait to hear what Victor Hockland, the Norwegian from Oklahoma State, had to say. I always love when the when they have to have the chairman ask a question. I, I don't know. know who the chairman is now. It's no longer Hootie, whoever Patrick, that guy is. Patrick Reed didn't say anything, and I don't believe he shook his hand after he put the jacket on him. Yes. Who? Are you sure? Yes. I know that Tiger did not shake Jim Nance's hand because I was waiting for that handshake to happen or even hug, but uh, no, I didn't I didn't notice that. But Jim Nance was not a big fan of Tiger for years. Oh, he wasn't? No. No. So why that win was so emotional is a really good question. Is it because of nostalgia, remembering where you were when he used to be dominant? Is it because you've seen him at his most vulnerable? Is it because he once was great? now is less than great but still figuring out a way to win is it the golf is it the person is it the family is it everything is it the golf course the masters at augusta that tends to be the most emotional setting we have in sports and so why why is this so incredible for so many people well feeling young again might be part of it here's bob fesco in the morning on 610 sports in kansas city it definitely was a flashback weekend for for me. I was telling you guys, you know, before the show started today, you know, why was this such a big deal for me is because I remember that day in 1997 and certain moments in, in sports, certain moments in life always stick with you. And I remember watching Tiger in 1997 win that first Masters some 22 years ago. And I remember sitting on the couch, you know, in college with my buddies watching that and drinking natural light going, man. That guy's like the same age as me, and I'm here drinking natural light on a Sunday, and this guy just won $420,000 or whatever it is, you know, out there at the Masters winning the first time. I think we've got something good here in Tiger Woods, and that was just the beginning of his career, and it took off, and it was the most unbelievable golf career that I've ever seen, and I'm sure there's some folks out there who will debate whether or not Jack is better than Arnold and Tom and all these other guys that you can factor Big in. Big Bobby Jones but, fan here. But but I'm for kidding. me, but for me, it's, it, it's all about Tiger, and Tiger gives me a reason why I need to watch the sport. Much like we talked about last week with the uh, NCAA's final national championship game, I had no reason to watch the NCAA Final Four or national championship game last Saturday or Monday. Usually, I don't have a reason to watch golf. Tiger Woods gave me that reason to sit down yesterday and watch golf. And for the last seven holes, I, I couldn't get off the couch. Now, some of it had to do with there was no commercial interruptions, and that was a, a wonderful way uh, in which to televise a sporting event. I absolutely loved that every was moment purely of that. by accident, right? No, I think the Masters does it that way with very limited commercial I, interruptions. I was figuring it's because they mo- had to move the schedule up, and CBS couldn't figure out how to get their weekend person in there to move all the commercial breaks. No, I, I think that's just the Masters normally is f- fairly un interrupted when they when they do their thing and so maybe it's gotten more interrupted over the years as they've gone on but for those last seven holes from 12 on I just sat on that couch and I'm like I, I can't believe what I'm watching here and we saw Tiger who wasn't leading yesterday win his first ever major when not leading on the final day in the final round go into that and you know people still making big time bets out in Vegas whether or not he would win wow, yeah I mean you could still get huge ass odds like late in the day yesterday or early in the day yesterday whenever you know it was for the golf tournament that took place the way 
that it did. But for me, it was just, it, it reminded me of my youth, Josh. I'm not going to lie. It reminded me of being young again, being in my 20s and Wilder Woods dominating my, my glory days, his glory days, our glory days. You know, watching that kid go out there and do what he did yesterday was probably the best thing I've seen in sports in years. I, I, I was trying to think yesterday some of the great things that I've seen in sports. It's been the best thing we've seen in 2019, I'll tell you that. Super Bowl being a dud that the way it was, the NCAA being a dud that the way it is, baseball basically irrelevant on a national level and the Royals are off to a 5-10 and 10 start, you know, losing 10 in a row to start the season. This was that sports moment that was really, really special and really, really good and, and really one of those moments that, 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 that I enjoyed and I needed. I needed this kind of moment because, for me, it was the best thing so far that's happened in sports and, quite honestly, the best thing I've seen in years uh, in, in professional, if you will, sports. The same thing happens when we have athletes at the end of their careers and you start going back through the memories and where you were when. And when Tom Brady retires or LeBron James retires, we'll be doing this. Remember that game? Remember that finals? Remember that Super Bowl? And so now it's kind of just playing out in real time because he was retired, essentially. He was out of the sport, essentially, and now he's back and you get to relive it again. The Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. had Armin Katayan on. Armin wrote a full book on Tiger Woods and the dark period during his career. So what happened? How did Tiger get put in the Wayback Machine? Let's listen in. It's almost like a fountain of youth. You know, as a fan, it's just... I want to go back 20 years and relive those experiences, and it gives us that moment. Um, I remember, you know, watching maybe some tournaments with my dad or watching some of these tournaments, you know, with buddies that aren't here anymore. I mean, it's really kind of an emotional thing, I think, for a lot of people. That's why a lot of guys were crying yesterday. Guys that have never met him, guys that don't know him, guys that probably disagree with a lot of what he does off the course. But he just has kind of an emotional connection with people. It's hard to explain. I think it's genius. You know, you're watching genius. There aren't that many people that, that in, you know, in our everyday lives where you, you know, it's like saying, oh, God, Mike, there's Mozart, there's Beethoven, there's Einstein. I mean, that's the kind of um, uh, connection that I think he has with, with people. And what was interesting was I was thinking this morning, you know, go back to 97 or even go back to 2005 when he last won the Masters. A lot of people that were on the golf course yesterday were probably seven or eight or 10 years old in 2005. And they, they don't remember um, certainly um, Tiger's great run. And so now there's a whole new generation, maybe two generations of fans, golf fans, who are seeing what it was like um, when Tiger was so dominant in um, – it's great for the game. It was. I just read Alan Shipnick's uh, piece uh, this morning, and he was inside the uh, the clubhouse at Augusta afterwards. And, and as Tiger was uh, on his way to winning, and, and to a man, the the fellow pros were were rooting for him because um, I think it was Ricky Fowler who said, you know, he's just a better person now. He's more grateful. Um, there's a humility to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before he was so entitled and, and there's, you know, the parts of the book where you just, when Jeff and I were writing it, we're like, my God, we don't, I mean, it's really hard to like him in, in, in certain sections of the book and you, but that's the price of genius. That's that tunnel vision that he had. And I think now being a father and, um, wanting to be the best father he can be, um, and hit having hit rock bottom, he came out a different person. And that's, there's a connection there now with, um, and as you said, I think a certain connection was 
just the machine and and what you were watching on the course. Now, I think he's beloved by fans in a way that um, he hasn't been before because he's so different um, outwardly and and grateful in ways that he's never expressed before. So, God bless him, man. That's uh, I mean, he's lived. We're talking about living lifetimes. At forty three, he's lived at least two and probably three, um, and you know, just to get to where he is, to, where he is today. Tigers focus down the back nine on Sunday, watching everybody else make a mistake and then never making a mistake himself was Vintage Tiger. He used to be more dominant. He used to be more overpowering. In this case, he wasn't that necessarily, although he's still tremendous off the tee. But instead, it was positioning and steely focus and just knowing that he knew the course better than anybody else did and that he would find a way to win. But inevitably, part of the Tiger story is all the self-inflicted wounds that he had. That The fact that his life was torn upside down and he had a very public and messy divorce and the family being embarrassed and all of the women coming out of the woodwork. All of that was his own doing. And so is it hard to ignore all of that background when a story unfolds like this? Here's Al Dukes and Jerry Recco, the pregame, if you will, to Boomer and Geo in the mornings on WFAN in New York. One of the dudes, and I don't know any other golfers other than Tiger Woods. Never heard of Phil Mickelson? Well, I mean, I'm aware of them, but these other guys, the guy I'm referring to, I don't know, Fanu or something. Tony Finau. He's yeah. the guy who broke his ankle during the par three contest a couple of years ago. Tony Finau. One of them hits the ball. Fanu. <laughs> one of the guys hits the ball in the woods. Which, again, off of a tee shot, I don't understand you're a professional golfer. 50,000 people ran right up to the... Ran right up yeah. to the... And they surround <laughs> it. And then you see them actually... And stare at it like this on the ground. And then what are you about, doing with it? when they create the alleyway for them to hit through? <laughs> That's when you know they're good. Could you imagine standing 20 feet in front of an amateur golfer? No. You might get killed. Right. But these guys, a little alleyway, and they're perfect. And keep in mind, too, with the shots that go in the woods in a lot of cases, and this is where it gets tricky... There's core, there are holes at Augusta where you have to turn the golf ball over, hit it up, and you have to draw the ball from right to left so it hits the slope of the fairway and rolls towards the green. Otherwise, you'll hit it straight out into the trees that way. Sometimes they overcook it a little bit, and you hook it into the trees. Not then, easy, man. Then, I've not kept up with Tiger Woods' love life since he was dating Lindsey Vaughn. Which is like a while ago. Yeah, now. a while ago. Yeah. So I see this, uh, they're like, Tiger's girlfriend is here. I go, who's this rando girl? He brought a rando girl to the Masters? Well, maybe he's been dating her for a long time. He has. I did Google. There you go. I Googled Tiger Woods' girlfriend a couple years, since two, 2017. Wow. They're a long they're mainstay. She seemed to be very chummy with those kids, too. Did you uh, Google Tiger Woods nude again this weekend? <laughs> I did not. You know, it's funny you mentioned the kids. His daughter's old. Yeah. Sam, I think. Yes. Right. Um, I didn't Google Tiger Woods nude, but the entire time I was His watching, nude <laughs> and I was rooting for Tiger, Jerry. I was of like, sure. so I, was love a, else. I love a comeback story, right? right? I did keep thinking about him with porno chicks, though, the whole time. You were envious. <laughs> <laughs> On private planes going to Dubai. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, like I know. I Perkins know, I know. waitresses. I, I couldn't get that out of my mind. That's all right. And the fact that he was very muscular. He's in shape. He's 43. Looks like he's, he's still 43. 40. He's a man. Yeah. And did you like the when they did the whole thing with his son and his dad? Yeah, I did like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Gina was uh, crying during the Masters. Okay. I mean, what are we doing? 
it's golf. I That's what I said. I said, dude, when you, you woke up this morning, dollars, great. she didn't even know Tiger Woods still golfed, didn't know what the Masters was, yet she's crying on the couch because right. of the because the father hugging him and Three then on, Al. Three him on. hugging him. Then I love the the jacket ceremony, Jerry, where the amateur kid got to sit there, who he had like the best amateur yeah. score. Of the, he looked like, what am I doing here? <laughs> A little out of place. <laughs> And of he's, course, Nance is talking to him like this, like anybody cares right. about this guy. And he's sitting right next to Tiger Woods, Jim Nance, whoever those other guys in the green jackets <laughs> were. Tiger Woods. <laughs> Tiger Woods, yeah. Well, maybe you hear from him in the future. Yeah. They go, uh, Jim Nance says, what do you plan on doing tomorrow? Kid goes, I'm going back to school. <laughs> <laughs> I got classes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to erase those things from your memory because it was so public. Because what Tiger went through was so dramatic and so public and tore his public reputation into tatters that thinking about all of those women and thinking about all of those stories that came out of the woodwork and thinking about all of the lewd behavior and things that were talked about that never really are talked about when it comes to our professional athletes has to be kind of part of the equation. I think some people choose to think about it or not, but I think it's impossible to completely ignore it, especially... If you think about the greater picture, and the greater picture is Tiger is where he is now because there was such a downturn, that this is such a great comeback because there was such a nadir, there was such a low point, and the low point was created because of all of those things that became public that are so embarrassing and humiliating. On to the NBA playoffs, our first weekend in the NBA's postseason. And lo and behold, the always patient Philadelphia sports market is all good. Oh, wait, they're not? A game one loss to the sixth seed, Brooklyn Nets, already has people in Philadelphia booing the Sixers. They were booed off of the floor in this loss. And some talking about the death of the process. Melodramatic? Well, that's what Philly is, and that's what Philly does best. Here's Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie on WIP in Philly. It felt like it may have been the end, the death of the process, and it made me very sad, John. The process is dead. That is wow. such a massive statement. Well, Joe. It's, it's how they felt. I I don't know that it definitively could is, not but, agree more. Wow. I mean, this is that's it what it is, seemed like, right? It's over. Yeah, what we saw was the worst case scenario for the vibrancy for for the uh, you know sustainability of the process for the life of the process. The process, you know what? Toss it right out with that garbage you put on the floor because it is kaput. And the problem is, like, all of the, remember, all of the assets that you gained through the process have now been just frittered away on players who aren't good enough. And the only guy, and and I thought it was interesting, the the word that you used for Ben Simmons, scared, playing scared. totally scared. it was an abomination of a performance by Ben. The quote court general right. what a is afraid to play basketball. The only guy on there who the only guy out there who wasn't afraid was Jimmy Butler, yeah. and he's out of here. 
at the end of the season. He could be. Yeah. He will go. He Listen, you think Jimmy Butler, I mean, he talks about watching film all the time. You think he watches that film and thinks anything is sustainable in in like in terms of being like viable that offense offensively was or defensively brutal. in the NBA this is a mixture of odds and ends this team that doesn't come together yeah. and work and when the engine that could is the engine that can't Joel Embiid right when he isn't healthy enough to take a game over which we saw he gave it a you know oh, a try. I admired John. I admired him because he probably shouldn't have been playing in that game. And I admired like hell that he tried. And I, re- it, I respect John, that too. You know what? You know what really? You know what really the, stood out to me? The difference between good and great yeah. is a great player finds a way to win and push through and uh, lift I, his teammates. I can't. I can't. That's what I was taught growing up. Good difference between uh, a good he and did great player. He, could. he did what he could. Yeah. Well, he didn't do enough. Well, I mean, he was hurt. Listen, this here, team is not good enough. It, Joel Embiid is not good enough. Joel Embiid being banged up is a shadow of yes. what we need. Yes. And that's, you know, and let, I agree with you. I think it's great that he played. I, I couldn't agree more. Just not good enough. So one, one uh, thing that really struck me, and I'm not sure how many people noticed this, but I saw it at least three times in the game. And I think three times pretty early, if I remember right. Uh, Embiid got knocked to the ground. And when you if and the the ball would kind of move the other direction, I remember like the ball was headed the other direction. John, I don't know if you caught this. Embiid trying to get up was painful to watch. Did you? I don't know if anyone else caught this. Embiid trying to get up off the ground, it was like a process for him to just get himself off off the ground to stand again. Well, he, he was banged up, yeah. and I'll tell you, man, Simmons. That's where it's like, and this is where if I'm Joel, I'm so aggravated. I, I am playing in a game I shouldn't be playing in, quite quite obviously. And and I mean, like Ben, I need you. I freaking need you to do something. Like I shouldn't even be playing in this game. Ben, do something. He was unequipped. He was unable. He was unwilling. He was a zero. He. Stunk. You got two tough-minded guys. No, maybe okay. You got two tough-minded guys. You got Joel Embiid. You got Jimmy Butler. My God. You got two guys who understand what it means to lift the the effort and the performance in the postseason, and then you got a bunch of guys who should be, will be, gone, and you know. Therefore, your statement. That the process that 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 looked like the end of the process is absolutely true. This is the death of wow. the process. Wow, taking this one hard, huh? Death of the process in Philadelphia. The problem was in this game, the Brooklyn Nets exposed the weaknesses of the Sixers. Even though the Sixers were a three seed and have all of this talent at the top, everything that is great about them is made possible by a healthy Joel Embiid and a dominant Embiid. A healthy Embiid, there's no answer for the Brooklyn Nets. They don't have anything to counter with that. But when he's not, and then he's shooting shots from the outside, and they've got to scramble to figure things out, and Ben Simmons is the guy that's got to now put it together, no, that's not where the Sixers are great. That's not why they've gotten this place. And I think it's become very obvious that The Sixers took it for granted in the first half of the year that Joel Embiid was going to be healthy. They did not limit his load. And now, in the back half of the season, the second half of the year, he's been 
a shell of his former self. He's been broken down. He hasn't played a lot. And then in this game, kind of the same thing. He was still very productive, more than 20 and 10, and a couple of blocks as well. But the team all revolves around what Embiid does, and he's the difference maker. And without that, they've gone up against a great Brooklyn team. And I say great in context. They're not great in terms of Warriors great, but they're great in terms of where they've been because they're competitive. They've got a star in D'Angelo Russell. They're well-coached. They have a system that works. They're committed. They've got long, young defensive guys. This is a tough matchup for the Sixers, especially once you start losing your own confidence. And finally, elsewhere in the East, the Boston Celtics get a Game 1 win in ugly fashion, in a rock fight, if you will, against the Indiana Pacers. But is this the waning days of Kyrie Irving in a Boston Celtics uniform? I mean, is he going to be there after this offseason when he can become a free agent? He's a complicated guy, and nobody knows that better than somebody that has covered the ins and outs of the Cleveland Cavaliers for a long time. That's Brian Windhorst, who joined the fan on 92.3 in Cleveland with Ken Carmen and Anthony Lima. I think LeBron would be giving back with the fans. I don't know if I say the same thing about Kyrie Irving. Does the dust settle for him with that legacy, and does, does he allow himself to, to allow the fans to embrace him by the time it's all said and done and, and have those reunions with the championship team in 2016? He's a very complicated person. He just is. I would tell any team who may want to sign him, uh, you know, by God, is he a wonderful basketball player, but you better prepare for what you're getting in the locker room. He's just a complicated guy. You know, I went to North Dakota last year when he was uh, inducted into the um, the Standing Rock Sioux Native American mm-hmm. tribe. He's, he's, a, he's a descendant of the tribe that he had not been formally uh, in. And, and I learned about his family. I met his family members. I learned about his background. He's a complicated person. He's got a complicated story, a very complicated story. Um, and it's led to a complicated guy. Um, in my mind, Kyrie Irving's number should be retired from Cle- from the from the Cavs. Um, I'm a big believer in honoring incredible moments. I don't I don't like these grudges. Um, I think it's a bad look. It's a bad look for the city. It's not what you should. It's not. It's not what you should be known for. You shouldn't be known for grudges. It's just. I don't know how this. You know, um, you being united and holding a grudge should not be a badge of honor. Um, now, you know, we're not talking about Art Modell here. You know, Art Modell. You know, some people would put Art Modell and Kyrie Irving in the same sentence. That's preposterous. It's fine to hold Art Modell in a grudge. What he did is a little bit different than what Kyrie Irving did. Uh, and Kyrie Irving. I mean, if you look at the numbers that are up there. With all due respect to some of those folks, Kyrie Irving hit the shot that won them the championship. Oh, uh, I agree. Let's uh, let's honor that for crying out loud. I think even if he doesn't want to be honored, I I think that, and I know that he's a complicated well, he person. Will. He doesn't want to today, but when he's forty-five, that's a different story. So, what are teams getting if they sign Kyrie Irving? What would say the New York Knicks get if they brought in Kyrie? What would the Los Angeles Lakers get if they brought in Kyrie? Well, nobody really knows. This guy is an enigma. He hit one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history, but he's also a guy that's kind of openly talked about how the earth is flat, then backed down on that and apologized for that, but in doing so also called out after that his teammates and called out his coaches and being kind of over-the-top critical of the entire situation in Boston. But he's also a guy that earlier in the year said that he wants to re-sign there if they would have him back and made overtures about re-signing in Boston. So figuring out... What Kyrie Irving is thinking is a parlor game nobody's going to win because nobody knows. And as Windhorse says, he's a complicated guy. It could go either way. I don't think anybody knows, but I'll tell you this. 
what you realize is that the people that know him best will admit Kyrie Irving is impossible to understand, and that makes guessing where he's going to go or his next action impossible. That's the best in your sports talk for Monday, April the 15th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.